0: Welcome to another episode of Get More Success. Now, this edition is something a little bit different. I was recently a guest on Taking Care of Business radio show on RPPFM, and we were talking about the application of neuroscience and psychology to marketing. It was a really interesting conversation with some people who are far more advanced in the topic than I was, and it was a privilege to be part of it, but there was some real value in it. So I wanted to make sure, that you can have a listen. So here is Taking Care of Business, the application of neuroscience and psychology to marketing. Hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his What? Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's showtime. Showtime. Showtime
2: showtime showtime
3: and now here is your host warwick mary
1: hello and welcome to another new taking care of business live in the RPFM studios i'm jackie mitchell great you could join us today as we discuss the latest buzzword in business neuroscience. The application of neuroscience, psychology to marketing is now the norm, not the exception. So today we dive in to understand this area further with uh, Australia's leaders in the field. Today's brainstorm is brought to you by our friends at eView Real Estate. As we talk to the best brains about brains, I'm ably assisted by the brainiac himself, And the voice of God, Warwick Mary, hello. I'm
0: not sure about the best brain in the business, but I've got a brain and sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. You just ask my wives, they'll tell you.
1: Uh, It's good to have you back. You've just come back from a very exciting uh, trip to the US. Lovely to be back.
0: Yeah, we had a month. Uh, We did 6,500 kilometres driving around and uh, that is a very interesting country to be in at this time.
1: I bet it is. Mm. Yes. Uh, And uh, back to work or business related, Mm. you did do a little bit of business over there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So So, tell us what you did.
0: So uh, there was a conference uh, in the middle of America at uh, Colorado Springs in Denver. And uh, so there was there with uh, a load of uh, certified speaking professionals, of which I am one. It's a global certification. And so we were basically talking about how do we progress our business. And I've got to tell you, and I'm, you know, one of the, the topics I'm sure we'll talk about today is the biggest barrier to business is the one that's between your ears. Mm. Uh, and but it's the the joy of it is it's also the one the one thing that you can reframe or retrain yeah. or, or work with. So uh, yeah, so that was it was very good. And we, there was a whole lot of meetings all around the place with people always trying to drum up business as small businesses do. Wherever you go, there's always the conversation about how can I add value to this situation.
1: What was uh, the biggest tip that you got out of it?
0: The biggest tip and the thing I walked away with is I'm doing pretty well. And it really is that affirmation that it's like I'm on track. And as look, it takes 16 to 20 years to be an overnight success. And in small business, it's like sometimes it feels like you're doing the same thing every day and sometimes you are. But it's to go to the States and look at people who I thought, oh, these guys are the best in the world. And I'm like, whoa, I'm actually ahead of them in some ways. Um, our, as an example, our banking system in Australia, it rocks. You go over there and they're, they're just getting chips in their credit cards. Uh, the whole pay wave thing or whatever, they got no idea about that. Yeah. Um, they still write cheques.
1: Who writes cheques? Yeah, Australians do embrace technology oh, very well.
0: Big time, big we? time. Yeah, very much so. And I think we're also very good at putting ourselves down and say, oh, other people yeah. are better, other people yeah, are better. Yeah, I don't like And that. Um, we, we actually do very well in many, many things. We um, do. And
1: we're also pretty good at putting other people down that tall poppy syndrome. Oh, very
0: much so. So, um, so today is all about keeping ourselves lifted and how fabulous we are.
1: Well... I- I think we need to be talking about our brain a bit more. It's it's interesting. I don't think we talk about it enough.
0: No, no, and it's it's the kind of. And this is you, you. And I was having this discussion with um, Professor Joseph beforehand. If you look at the stimulus that we get or stimuli that we get every day, each day and age, now it is very negative. The news is all all about fear and what's you know the the television that we watch is really. Brain-numbing. So where is the stuff that actually stimulates? And one of my favourite TV shows is The West Wing because it was entertaining mm-hmm. and it was clever. The first couple of seasons of Big Bang Theory, entertaining but smart, a lot of science, and now it feels like it's just turned into friends. Yeah. So there is something to be said <laughs> for you've got to have that stimulation. Yeah. Um, there's the uh, uh, Nito Kabane, a great speaker out of the States, said who you spend time with is who you become. And so that's the kind of conversations that you have are the ones that will continue to stretch your brain. So if you're just rocking up doing the same thing over and over, that's what's going to happen. But if you're looking for new input, new ideas, new discussions, stretching yourself, you might not apply it, but during the process of the conversation, it's amazing the thoughts that come to you and what can happen.
1: That's why I love this show, not only for people listening to it, because every week we've got New guests on different people, different topics. But I suppose from a personal perspective, it's like I go to school every Friday, <laughs> and I'm surrounding myself with people smarter than me. Yeah, and, so it makes me look smarter and, than and actually. Can, yeah. And you can
0: also learn lessons from completely different industries. Oh yeah. But you think, wow, well, I could do that, yeah. but just different
1: yeah exactly now speaking of Professor Joseph Mm. he's sitting to my right here and he's been on before he is Professor Joseph Chachari. I hope I've pronounced that correctly he's giving me the thumbs up Uh, he is from Swinburne University of Technology he is from the Brain and Psychological Sciences Research Centre and I'm going to say he is Australia's leading expert on uh, neuroscience and neuromarketing is that reasonable Joseph
2: um no, I think uh, Professor Richard Silverstone is probably the, the best. I was his, he's my mentor.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So you're the second best. I'm the second best. <laughs> like the second best Marigold That's it. Hotel. I'm, but
2: I, I'm taking care of business nothing but the you're second, second best, best for you. But I am yep. the chair, the Australian chair of the Neuromarketing Science Business Association. So
1: yeah, See, so I think See, he's putting himself down a little it bit. Is, it yeah. is. But anyway, it's wonderful to have you back, Joseph. You. I love having you in the studio because this is a topic, as I said, that I don't think we talk enough about. But it's changing almost as much, if not more, than technology. We talk about technology a mm. lot. always seems to be the topic for any business discussion and how quickly and rapidly it's changing and business is changing. Well, what is changing is what we know about the brain.
2: Oh, exactly. Uh, the, 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 we, we learn brand new things about the brain. Almost on a daily basis. For example, Amazing. just the process associated with sleep. We've only just discovered that uh, during a good night's sleep, the, the brain flushes out uh, through its cerebral spinal fluid, uh, flushes out um, materials that uh, help with uh, learning and, uh, and um, um, uh, long-term memory and actually keeping the brain um, uh, young and alive. Oh. Uh, so oh. a good night's sleep is actually good for you. We, we've known that qualitatively, but in terms of what it actually does, me- how we can use neuroscience to measure it, we actually see that there, there are these cellular changes that take place. So no one knew about that a few years ago. We used to think that the brain was, um, you know, you were born with so many brain cells and that's it. But the brain is an incredible tissue, an organ. It's always repairing itself. It's always reallocating resources. Uh, for example, if you are learning a brand new instrument, never played the instrument before, you have the capacity to reorganize your, your uh, connections, to f- help facilitate that, to, to learn how to play that. We call that neuroplasticity. And the more you do that, the more you do th- different things you've never done before or be exposed mm-hmm. to things you've never been exposed before, uh, the brain has this capacity to, to like a sponge, to, to bring that in and incorporate that, that experience into your nexus of experiences. So uh, it has incredible capacity to, to learn, to absorb. Um, and so, for example, you were saying about taking the best from people. Um, I, have, I, I know of a wonderful young man, for example, at his 21st. He said that he, he takes the best from everyone, you know, all the different characteristics. Well, his brain is actually doing that, how he processes that, and he does incorporate th- that into himself. So the brain you have today is really uh, a... Um, Wonderful um, device that's keeping all these memories together. It's these networks that you have now have been facilitated by your life experiences. So we should keep learning. We should keep uh, doing different things because that's how you keep the brain going.
1: Are we all born with the same brain?
2: Um, yes and no. Uh, th- there's a lot of nature associated with how the brain learns. Yes. The the environment, the experiences, and the, the your parents. The love that you've been shown, for example, has an incredible facilitating capacity for um, brain development. Uh, for example, children without love, um, you can see that their brains are actually smaller. Mm. Uh, so there, there are obviously nature is a big force, but genetics is a very big force too. Okay, so.
1: yeah. Yeah. So when a baby is born, we're, mm. we're not all born with the same sort of brain. There will be genetic Influences Absolutely.
2: There, there will yeah. be some you know, uh, pathways that are going to be set up because they're the basic pathways that have to be set up anyway. But it's all the extra facilitation that takes place. Um, it's all part of that learning experience. So if you don't ever teach anything to something, it won't grow. Hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't expand. So it stays small. And we actually see it from MRI data. Um, this is uh, imaging of the brain that shows that the brain's actually smaller. So. And
0: so, is that failure to thrive? Is that I know absolutely, that.
2: absolutely A failure to thrive? Yes. Yeah.
0: and there's been cases where, um, where, for example, drug addicts will have kids, and it has an impact on the actual brain itself. So, yes. Oh, yes. Um, the, which sets up for this failure to thrive actually happening. So, how, so how, do you, how would you address that? So if you've got a, a child that hasn't been given some attention as they get older, can you, knowing that the, the brain is this, this neuroplasticity, can you then load on lots of attention and nurturing? Does it recover? Uh,
2: absolutely. I mean, the, the, the research in this area has um, informed nursing, it's, it has informed even, even government policies, for example, um, that you have to provide some sort of nurturing um, in, in children in dire situations. It's just so critical. Yeah. Um, the, the, the establishing relationships with people, with people who they can trust, um, just, just being trustful of someone actually stimulates brain, uh, brain, uh, brain growth. We actually see hormones associated with brain growth. Uh, BDNF, a brain-derived neurotrophic factor, um, is, a, is, is like a, a stimulant. And we see that there's an increase in the stimulant. With hugs, right you know with that sort of affection um, okay. and feeling that they're in a safe situation, so we're nearly yeah. getting to that like Maslow's hierarchy of
0: needs, yeah. is that supportive thing that helps yeah. brain development as yeah. well as growth of,
2: of the, you yeah, as an individual. Absolutely. Um, a, lot of, a lot of this isn't new. I mean, we've known in psychology, mm. for example, a lot of these, and there are various um, uh, models that are used in psychology for behavior and so forth. We're just now discovering that, hang on, there's some neuroscience that backs that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's the connections in the brain. Here's the lack of integration. Here's the lack of neurotransmitter uh, formation and, uh, and regulation. Yeah. So there is, a, uh, there is very strong... Uh, neuroscience evidence now that backs up all these very old psychological models. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Which is really exciting, especially yeah. dealing with people. Yeah, yeah. And how they make decisions, which is what neuromarketing is all about. Well,
1: it's yeah. important for any business that customers have to make decisions and, and businesses want them to make the right decisions for their business. Yes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We all have brains, except the scarecrow out of the Wizard of Oz. That was Robbie Williams in case you're wondering. The poor scarecrow. All he wanted was a brain, didn't he, worry hey, Mary? I t-
0: can I tell you yes. just listening to that version of the song which I've never heard before, straight away I've got the image of the scarecrow. Like yeah. the triggers and the hooks are there you don't even know they're there. That's why the brain
1: is very handy That's at the, times. the non conscious processing. We are here with Warwick Mary and Professor Joseph Chachari, who is the second best <laughs> neuroscientist in Australia. No, he's, he's the best in, in our view. He's the chair, Australian chair of the, is it Neuroscience Marketing and Business no, Association? Neuromarketing Science Neuro- and Marketing Business. Neuromarketing Science and Business Association. Yeah, which is interesting. If anyone wants to go and have a look about, I'm a member. Uh, there's not many members in Australia, Joseph, is there really? Well, it is growing, yeah. which is
2: great. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, mm. that's something we want to talk, we're
1: something going to talk we about. Something should, we, we should yes. develop
2: further. We need yeah. to
1: develop further, don't we? Okay, now let's get stuck into business. Uh, during the break, I'm getting a few text messages through and our mate at Telstra, Peter bennett Helen. Peter Bennett-Hullen. Hi, Pete. I know he's listening and he wants to know how to improve his brain. Well, Pete, keep listening because we're about to talk about how to use your brain in business. And one area of neuro is uh, neuromarketing has certainly growing in leaps and bounds, Joseph, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. It, it's a, it's a um, concept that was created uh, a few years back, probably about um, 15 years ago, but uh, it's really coming into, it, into its own. It was quite evident at the, the big international conference in Dubai earlier this year that um, it, it certainly has come into its own. It's, in, in terms of acceptance as a tool for trying to understand the consumer in terms of their decision making, that it's not about um, uh, being persuasive or manipulative, it's about trying to find out a little bit more about how they think and giving them the products and the um, experience that will, um, you know. Uh, facilitate their uh, decision making.
1: Interesting Uh. point and and I I use this when I'm talking to clients from a brand perspective and there was some research done last year I think in Canada, it was commissioned by Microsoft and the research was about our attention span and our attention span apparently was 12 seconds and the research said that it's now 8 seconds it's gone down, a goldfish apparently is 9 seconds so we've got an attention span less of a goldfish and they correlated that directly to the rise of smartphones that and we're getting information so much faster so it's actually you know re, rewiring our brains to you know lessen our attention span and I found that really interesting and then uh, and Joseph you can certainly expand on this because uh, you know a hell of a lot more about it than I do. But getting someone's attention, a lot of that pr- mental processing, our brain is processing that in an unconscious part Absolutely. of your brain. So you yeah. don't even know, you're not even aware of the process happening, so to get so it, you've got I think one or two seconds for for the unconscious to then make a decision. No, three
2: hundred milliseconds.
1: Three hundred milliseconds. So is this is this right? This I'm, is at I'm,
2: the unconscious level. At yeah. the unconscious level, but, so
1: you don't know this is three, happening. But
2: to the brain, that three hundred milliseconds is a long time.
1: Right, that's how fast it works. But anyway, my point is, so in the unconscious, it three hundred milliseconds, it sort of filters whether it moves that message whatever it is you're trying to get the attention, into your conscious level. And that's the bit that a lot of marketers don't get. So I found that really Absolutely. fascinating.
2: You can do all sorts of surveys and forums and so forth and get information. But in the end, when you have a look at how people process um, sensory information, you know, the visual, the auditory, the, the narrative, the, um, the soundtrack, all of those have um, uh, ways of adjusting the bias, so to speak, so that uh, a person will decide uh, that they'll like a particular um, product, not because of what it looked like, but the experience, the emotional experience they had with that and that early processing that takes place.
1: It's fascinating and I love, this is one of my favourite words, Warwick, Mary, you'll like this, neuropsychoeconomics.
0: Give me some of that. Two bags of neuropsychoeconomics,
2: thanks.
1: So it's brain economics or brain money? Well, what What is that, Joseph? Um,
2: neuropsychoeconomics is bringing together a number of fields. One is psychology mm. and everything that psychology brings. And remember, psychology is a way of quantifying what's happening with respect to behaviours, Human, looking at human behaviours. And neuro, of course, is, is bringing the... Um, the, the neurophysiology and understanding how the brain and the body works, by the way, and how the, the brain actually changes aspects of the body. So, for example, you might be looking at something and uh, your heart rate may change uh, or your breathing patterns may change or the temperature of your forehead may change and they are all correlated with your subconscious processes that are taking place. They're helping you with your decision-making. Yes. So, you know, people are now using that sort of information. That was one of the things that came out of the forum is that – um, there are so many tools now available for people to use. You don't have to have the high end EEG or fMRI stuff to, to, to do that. Okay,
1: so, so you don't actually need an MRI no. to
2: do that? No, you don't. No, no. So and the other are, thing is eye what tracking. What are
1: some of the tools yeah, that you Eye can tracking use? is probably the yeah. best
2: tool. Right. Um, and uh, there are all different types of eye tracking devices. And for example, there are some devices which plug into your uh, iPad uh, and uh, they can monitor your eyes and your facial expressions while you're looking at an ad. And that information gets filtered back to the, um, the people who've put the ad together. And they find that um, uh, at certain stages, this is what drew that person's attention. This particular image, this particular colour, this particular word, this particular brand um, drew their attention. Now, whether they put that into their memory and whether they then facilitate buying... Because it's in memory, yeah. These are very difficult processes to see, but you can still see those early stages. So, um, for example, we did some work looking at uh, developing ads for elderly people in terms of energy saving, and we, we noticed that uh, with the eye tracking alone, they tended to not look at images of elderly people doing things with fridges and light switches and so forth. And the survey that was first done. Suggested that they would like to see someone, but doing these various behaviours in terms of how, this is how you save energy, but the brain stuff and the eye tracking showed that uh, they would, they did not want to see elderly people, they didn't want to be reminded perhaps that They're they were aging. elderly, yeah. that they were aging. They, yeah. People just did not like that. Yeah. So if you're trying to get a message across, well you've lost them, mm. and and so so eye tracking is very useful for that. Uh, so. Just as an example, and I think that that will come in handy. A lot
0: of the business owners are listening, are probably thinking, "Oh, this sounds quite complicated." To break it down from a business perspective, Mm. so many of the ads I see or hear or are part of is is all about the individual. Look at my stuff. How good is my stuff? Buy my stuff. Buy my Mm. my stuff. Mm. People don't care. They're like, And I'm sure some of the research would back it up. Is like, I want to see my idealized state. So if I'm an elderly person, I don't want to see another elderly person using the fridge. Because exactly. in my mind, I'm still 18. Yeah. So I want to see maybe a 40-year-old because I'm 60. And that's what I think I, yeah. I, my, my perception of how I am in the world is like that. Yeah. So it is about... Putting make it easy for the customer to be aware of what's in it for them. Yeah. Um, and and you're, the great devices can help track what is the responses you're getting. Because, I mean, Jackie, you mentioned to me many years ago now is that the biggest issue when it comes to marketing is noise. Yeah. And so there is so much noise now. And we took 300 milliseconds mm. to just turn off. I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm looking at this billboard. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. I, when I watch telly, I mute the ads because I'm not interested. But every now and again something might catch my eye enough so I'll take I'll like typically for me, it's a movie trailer. Yeah. I'll go off mute so I can pay attention to it. So, so, so,
1: so that has mean it's it's translated or transported from your unconscious or subconscious mind, not unconscious.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's my unconscious mind. But yeah, so from your from
1: subconscious the... mind into your conscious mind, yeah. and then your attention spans now eight seconds. And so
2: I'll now take an action. Going,
0: yes, yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. yeah.
2: Now that eight tw- eight and twelve second thing. Yeah. Um. Very quickly, as as I mentioned at the very start, our brain adapts. So, for example, if you've grown up just looking at iPads all the time, your brain is going to be tuned for iPads. Mm. It's going to be tuned for that sort of yeah. interaction. So one thing that's happening at the moment, and, and, and advertisers are very aware of this, when they're dealing with young people who are more technological, using faces, for example, using ads with faces and, and so forth, don't work because they don't like that. They're not tuned to that. And so you've got to develop these iPads, um, I should say the... Um, um, the apps which attract them.
1: Which is the gamification. A- absolutely. Isn't it? So yeah. people are now, a lot of companies are now using gamification uh, to sell things and to promote things and yeah. use it as an advertising tool. And
0: even in like in the conference industry, because you know, I do a lot of MC work, it's like we're using gamification to keep people interested in what's happening in the event. Mm. Um, the, w- the research we have as speakers is there has to be some kind of interactivity every five to seven minutes. Yes. Now, the interactivity can be making them laugh. It can be having them share a learning with someone else. It can be having them pick up their phone and enter something into the conference app that's on. But there has to be...
2: There has to be somewhere that they're involved in it. Absolutely. They and need it. to be taken on a journey. And you've got to give, make that journey uh, emotional. You've got to make it fun. You've got to have it interactive. interactive. That's what people want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a wonderful example of a museum shop in Europe. And that what they did is they got in some neuromarketing people and they completely reorganised the store because they turned the store in a, into an interactive journey. And, people, and, and sales went up 54%. Right. Yeah. So they changed colours, they changed um, the way in which you interact, items had to be at uh, eye level. You know, all those things that we've learned from neuromarketing. they applied it to this store and a you know, 54% increase in sales.
0: Volkswagen did the same thing on a set of stairs versus escalators. Um, and there's a video on the internet that people can look at. They turned the stairs into a piano keyboard. So all of a sudden, oh, no one I've went on the escalators. It. They all went because yes. they get yeah. to play. And in the process... They're exercising, they're you know, engaging, that kind of
2: stuff. So it is about yeah. how do we make the customer the star of the show? Exactly. And that's not manipulative. Manipulative. That's not actually you know, brainwashing. What you're doing is you're giving the, the consumer an experience, which yeah. is good for them, yes, of course, but at the same time they enjoy it. Yes. And if they enjoy it, there's an emotional engagement. If there's emotional engagement, they'll say, I want to come back to this store. Yep.
1: My brain is hungry for more. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you're enjoying eavesdropping on our interesting conversation and getting inspired. And next guest certainly is a source of inspiration for many people, and she is going to share with us some secrets to unlocking the creative spaces in your brain. She's the founder of Creative Universe, Creative Innovation Global, and Creativity Australia, Tanya De Jong. Good morning.
3: Good morning. How are you?
1: Well, very good talking with you. Tanya, how does singing change the brain?
3: (laughs) Well, it's an absolute miracle, actually. What happens is when you sing, and particularly when you sing with other people, the right temporal lobe of your brain fires up. The neural pathways connect in new and different ways, and you release all these incredible endorphins like oxytocin, the hormone responsible for pleasure, love, and bonding. And so when you sing with other people, your brain is firing in such a way that you become healthier, happier, smarter and more creative. It improves your memory, language and concentration. And it's also been known to heal people from strokes, depression and a whole range of other things. So it's like a super-duper wonder drug.
1: Oh, God, that, that's that's very inspiring. Now, yes. uh, speaking of which, you've just launched recently uh, a new co-working hub in South Melbourne called, I yes. think it's Dimension 5. Tell us that's a bit right. about that.
3: So Dimension 5 is a joint venture with Dimension Data, which is the global IT company, and Creative Universe, my company. And it's been set up to inspire game changers, entrepreneurs, startups, not-for-profits, small businesses and small teams from larger businesses to come together in an 1,100-square-metre space in South Melbourne to collaborate, incubate, co-create and create some wonderful new ventures and grow some, some existing ventures so that we can solve particularly more of the social issues that we're facing as a community. I'm particularly passionate about social enterprise and social innovation, so, you know, setting up... Enterprises to solve things like, you know, poverty and domestic violence and loneliness. Loneliness, in particular, is the epidemic of our time. So there's a lot of people who need to get together and sing with others and need to get together and feel more positive about the world and find more of a purpose and meaning in life.
1: Certainly, co working is a rising trend, and uh, it's been said that it's a key ingredient to foster innovation. Is that your experience?
3: Yes, definitely. Um, You know, people in general find it hard to innovate completely on their own. I mean, you need feedback and you need people that are going to challenge you. So in general, innovation occurs at the intersection, at what I call the positive human collisions. And when you bring together people who are very diverse on a regular basis to take you out of your comfort zone, as opposed to being in your comfort zone with people who think and and act like you do and have similar backgrounds in education, when you actually connect with people who are very diverse on a regular basis, that's when innovation truly starts to spark. And so in these co-working spaces, um, if they're curated with a lot of diversity, you are in a space where you can get this real positive human collisions happening on a daily basis and people get stimulated in different ways and that's when innovation starts to spark. You get what is called creative abrasion happening.
1: <laughs> I, I love the positive human collisions. I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's a wonderful term. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you unlock more of your creative leadership potential in your brain?
3: Um, well, singing is a, is a really, really good way um, because... When you sing, it takes you into the right side of your brain and the right side of your brain is like your, your battery charger. Now, unfortunately, we spend most of the time in the left side of our brain, being overwhelmed by too many facts, you know, figures, logical sort of thinking, analytical thinking. But when we actually um, connect to the right side of our brain, which is, houses our intuitive and imaginative and creative functions, that's when we really start to function As human beings and not as robots or machines Mm. and um, so a lot of the time um, we don't spend enough time in that part and well singing's great for that but so is meditation you know walking in nature cuddling your dog being with your loved ones um, just connecting beyond what I call beyond the boxes I, I have a TED talk as you know called how singing together changes the brain and I talk about connecting beyond the boxes. We spend a lot of our lives, you know, thinking in a box, filling in boxes and all of that. And this is about going beyond the boxes, and it's beyond the boxes where we unlock our creative potential as a human being. And there's a lot of studies done that show that, you know, children exhibit 98% creative behaviour, reducing to just 2% by the time we're 25 years old. But we do still have all of that creative potential within us. We're just not unleashing it.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, Tanya, if someone wants to have a look at your TED Talk, where would they find that?
3: So if you look up Tanya De Jong, so it's T-A-N-I-A-D-E capital J-O-N-G, so two words, D-E space, J-O-N-G, TED Talk, um, you'll find it. And it's it's just ticked over 30,000 views, so it's going it's a lot of global interest in it. And as a result of it, if people watch to the end, they'll see the work we're doing with our With One Voice program, which is the social inclusion program where we bring together you know, more fortunate people with less fortunate people choirs of social inclusion. And they'll see all about positive human collisions and thinking beyond the box and unleashing more creative potential. So that's my TED Talk or from my website, Tanya De Jong, T-A-N-I-A-D-E-J-O-N-G.com, that website, or creativeuniverse.com.au, which is where all my different... Um, enterprises fit on. Fantastic.
1: That that's <laughs> wonderful. We'll actually put the TED Talk link to our Facebook page. Really appreciate your time yes. this morning and uh, I wish you all the very best for Dimension 5 and all those hundred other little enterprises that are yes. all involving positive human collisions.
3: Yes, indeed. Well, thank you so much. It is all about breaking down the barriers between us and building bridges between
1: us. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice way to finish. Tanya De thank you very much. Good morning. We're getting uh, lots of brains, uh, brainy information here from the best in the business world. I'm here with Warwick Merry and Professor Joseph Chachari talking about creativity, Joseph. uh, That is an interesting area uh, that the brain. Absolutely. How can we foster creativity? And we talked about, or Tanya was talking about, co workplaces.
2: Basically, it's about developing the environment where you ah, nurture yes, it. Right.
3: Um,
2: unfortunately, we don't do that. Mm. We, tend to, we, um, we don't like people to be too creative, stand out, um, and we, we tend to chop them down. Um, the Americans do a wonderful job with respect to those creative uh, children and giving them uh, an environment where they can be creative. Um, creativity is a wonderful process that can be measured with neuroscience. Yes, it is, um, uh, to a certain extent, a lot to do with the right hemisphere, but uh, there's a lot of wonderful connections that take place. Uh, For example, one of my colleagues created from from marketing created this wonderful survey instrument which broke people down into four categories or four personality orientations. And one of them is the imaginative. And uh, we did an fMRI study, and we found that those networks in an imaginative thinking person uh, was all... Yes, it was all right hemisphere, but at the same time, they could solve problems faster because they had that imaginative component um, compared to others who do, who do not have those networks. So um, we have people who uh, from from probably from uh, nature uh, who who are generally imaginative, but it's but anyone can learn how to be that as well
1: how how can you simply by putting it?
2: them into a creative environment that interacting with different types of people i'll give you an example really? we've at Swinburne, we've just um restructured our whole university and we have the faculty of health arts and design now i'm actually working with design people and engineers now that i never would have even thought of dealing with at all and we have come up with two major solutions to some health issues in in india um, and that would not have happened had we not got together that way. Um, yeah, I'm the neuro, yes, I'm the neuro person. But the design people, the, the engineers, the, the people who um, create as well, but they use a different process of creation. And by looking at a problem, we can solve a problem from different directions. And so that's why Swinburne's organising itself, to have also an innovations precinct where we work with industry and be creative and come up with, you know, nurture that creativity. Uh, from an industry, from a commercial point of view. But at the same time, um, you know, when you bring different thinking styles together, you actually get great outcomes.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And because we're born with a preference, is that right, yeah. for whether we're left or right brain?
2: Well, um, not really. Or not. Not, not, not oh, really, okay. no. It, it really is uh, um, associated with what sort of life you're having, you okay. know, what school you went to, right. what friends you had. Yep. Uh, that sort of sets the scene for that. Oh. Um, so, if you had now I can think of a high school teacher who had the biggest impact on me. He taught completely um, off off um, the teaching curriculum and he was so different and he was so creative he 's the one I remember and uh, to a certain extent from my high school years he 's the one who actually put me on in the direction that i 've taken Wow yeah, so an individual who's so different yet ...can have such a big impact, you know, 30 years later. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, something
0: I like- think there's a lot to be said in that... ...I don't think you're, like, right or left. Like, there's, there is that flexibility. Yeah. Like, yeah. creativity loves structure. Yeah. Like, there is something like... ...you look at anyone who creates, be they artisans... ...or musicians or whatever, they love a structure. The musicians, this one is a 4-4 four, four song. Um, and every yeah. now and again, we're going to throw a 3-4 bar Absolutely. in there. But there is the structure. But within that... Yeah. You can do anything. So there is that, there is a need or there is at the very least room for both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so we can was, talk more. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I'm thinking if you're in a situation, a work situation, you're, you know, as a brainstorming session, for instance, a uh, hint to the term brainstorming, of course, of course. Uh, and you're thinking, oh, I don't feel very, I'm not very creative, and you talk yourself out of being creative. Mm. Are there some things that we can do to, for that session, get, okay, my right brain, come on. Wake up, <laughs> yeah. wake up, what, you know, should, should I be watching a cartoon? Smack should yourself I be singing in the right side of the
0: head really hard.
1: <laughs> you know, is there something, you know, should I be watching cartoons? Should I be singing a song? Yeah. Is there things I can do to Absolutely. get that activated? Like yeah. what can Like I, I do? said from the very
2: start, you do things you've never done before. So we don't ever have only one side working. They're all working. Yeah, of you know. course. They're all contributing in some way. Yeah. Uh, and it, yes, of course, you'll have a dominant process taking mm. place in one side or, in, or another side, depending on what's happening. But um, we tend to – those people who are creative tend to rely on all of their resources and they can efficiently mm. you know, use left and right. As There may be a control centre on the right, so to speak, but they can very efficiently make those decisions. I love that. They use all their resources. Mm. Yeah. But they don't just – box themselves into a corner. And so I'm only going to deal with the facts, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating (laughs) stuff. Now, when we come back after this break, I want to chat about how to improve your memory. Now, that can help not only in your day-to-day, but also from a business perspective. When you're marketing your business or selling your business, it's critical that your customers remember your brand, remember the name of your business, remember what the message is you're trying to sell or communicate. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to improve the memory of yourself and also you have to make your customers remember who you are. We are talking all about our minds, suspicious or not, <clears throat> our brains and how we can make them work a little bit better. And one area of the brain that a lot of businesses, in my experience, don't understand enough about is your memory and it impacts so many elements of your business from remembering people's names at networking events to customers remembering your business name and your brand name Um, so then they can then refer and recommend to their friends which is very important part of social media these days so joseph what are some quick tips of how we can improve our memory
2: well um with, uh, with any, any function that we have, the best thing to do is actually exercise it. So, you do little you know, memory charts and you do little, uh, make little lists and memorize the lists and so forth. So, you're exercising that system. So, uh, that, that's probably one of the best ways of doing it. But, like I said from the very start, if you're you know, learning how to play an instrument, there's so many things you have to remember. Uh, and that is stimulating those memory systems and hopefully putting it all into long term memory. But, sleep is very good for memory. People, people um, have, if they're ha- having good, good night's sleep on a regular basis, their memory capacity is far more than those who have uh, you know, very poor quality sleep.
1: Ah, that's why I've got a good memory because I'm known for my sleep, bit of a <laughs> sleep guru. But one of the things uh, with memory that, uh, that I use a lot uh, is that it's much easier to remember something if you can attach it to an existing memory already Absolutely. established in your yeah. brain.
2: I use Limerick's.
1: Okay, right. And it's almost like uh, the same thing, Warwick, we're talking about remembering people's names. Mm. When I meet someone for the first time, I automatically think of someone else I know with the same name. So whether that person I know them personally or it could be a movie star or it could be a character in a book or something, but I attach it to them. So when I see them again, I see the picture of the person that I know, which is the existing memory, Mm. until I get to a point where it's created its own memory.
0: So, and other people will do little tricks like yeah. if someone introduces you, you say then the, one of the first words you say is their name again, or you use their name a couple of times yeah. or you create some hooks, like you go visualize really stupid things
2: that sort yeah. of help create a stronger hook. Yeah.
0: But you do, know, they, do they work or yeah, they...
2: absolutely, you know, your own memory, you yeah. know, you know how it works. It's strengths. Mm. And so you use those strengths. Mm. So for example, if I, when I do exactly that, going to a conference and trying to remember as many names, I repeat the name. Mm hmm. And I, at the same time, I attach a visual memory associated right. with it. So because, you yeah. know, the pop psychology says that
0: the brain works in images. Is that correct? Like are the images easier to, like mine seems to be full of music. Like yeah. whenever someone will say a sentence and bam, there's a lyric and I'm singing the song next
2: breath. Yeah. So is it more in these kind of constructs? It depends on how your brain has wired itself up over the years, your experiences. If you tend to be more uh, visual, Mm -hmm. you'll have more visual imagery associated with memories, associated with with events and so forth. Whereas, I mean, we know this from work in PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, what people actually remember and how they remember. So, for example, if you're using, getting them to remember a list of words or a list of images, um, you'll find that uh, anything associated with sort of You know, a trauma experience, they will they will tend to not remember those words or those images as well. Right. Or um, they would be they'll be very vivid for them. Okay. Yeah. And you get a very strong emotional response associated with it. And this is
1: where great brands actually use that technique. Oh, absolutely. So you think about uh, brand names, and uh, one of the things that really grinds my gears when, uh, when a new business or someone's starting a new business and they're looking at a brand name is they use acronyms, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z. And i say to them, you know what, it's not impossible, but you're making it very difficult because there's nothing existing in a person's memory, in a customer's memory, that they're going to attach that to. Mm. So a shortcut yeah. would be coming up with the brand name that already means something in the customer's mind.
2: Mm. Yeah, we, we did some research where we looked at uh, imagery of brands, mm. as in the actual logo, and we found that uh, young people remembered the image. They didn't remember the the, the words.
0: Yeah, or so
1: the, the swoosh or the yeah, Nike swoosh. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. But yeah, there's a lot remember. of brands also that have uh, sounds or noises yeah. that are associated with it, like Intel has that ding 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 that's yeah. on all their ads. Yeah. Taking care of business has the taking care of business song at the start and the end of the show, but but again, it's like we we're consistent with it; it doesn't change. Um, and this is why I think brands have challenges when they do a brand refresh. Um, and uh, Instagram has just changed their logo. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. And people people are making yeah. judgments left and right. Oh, yes. it's terrible! Oh my god, I can't believe yeah, they've done it. it is, yeah. um, but I reckon, give it six months, and yeah. it'll be like, what was their old one again? So it's, but you, it is about how do we do our logo or our brand change? You know what it
1: is because it's it's creating discomfort in our in our brain yeah. because we've established uh, associations and yeah. images that we're comfortable with. We associated with that brand,
0: and, and, and the change is so subtle. Like it's yeah. it's just gone from being sort of an image, which is what they do, to being like a, a drawing more of a thing. So we have to sort of. We have to fight our brain to, to recognise, no, 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 this is Instagram now.
2: You ever wondered why they did that? No, no idea. Yeah, It had to do with the younger market. Right. In terms of how they process
0: imagery. Right, so it's all about its iconography is something that they can grab onto. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, there you go. Mm. I like that.
0: So old farts like us, not that you're old Jackie, but other people, yes. uh, we struggle with it because we're
2: like, oh, but it's a nice photo and that's what I like. Yeah, but we don't like change. But if we do it, mm. you know... Um, eventually accept it. It's actually good for us. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point as well. Now, neurofeedback, Professor Joseph, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to touch on that. What is it? I keep hearing about it everywhere.
2: Neurofeedback is uh, a technique uh, associated with biofeedback that you're recording uh, biological signals from the body or the brain and you're feeding that back to the person as some sort of uh, scale or some sort of colour and the person has to try and learn how to manipulate that dial or that colour. And uh, we've found that um, in depression and um, a a variety of other disorders, attention disorders and so forth, that neurofeedback recording from the brain and and, and that brain signal, let's say alpha activity, right, uh, has a little rocket associated with it. And when you're thinking and you're, you're increasing your alpha activity, the little rocket goes up. So, Children who has a bit of a, who have a bit of a problem with attention, that can actually help facilitate growth, development. Uh, so we don't actually know what's changing, but the brain is rewiring itself in such a way that, yes, you're going to be producing more alpha activity. And with depression, we found that that's quite useful too because, yes, it increases theta activity in particular, and we know that there are um, brain hormones which are secreted, which help with re um, uh, um, re- reallocation of resources, but also growth of centers, so it decrease we see a decrease in the symptoms associated with depression. but people are using neurofeedback for cognitive decline and and uh, there 've been some and help helping people who are anxious how to relax and they 're very, very good. We actually um, assessed one particular commercial uh, device uh, recently uh, which measured uh, EEG and it was just a band you put on the forehead. And it coupled to your your smartphone or your iPad and it played your music and had this beautiful visual imagery associated with it. And we found that people's heart rate came down, their blood pressure came down, they felt more relaxed. But at the same time, their cognitive abilities improved, which was interesting. You know, they could remember more. Talk about memory again. They could remember more. So good outcomes. So it's the kind of thing, it sounds like it's the whole
0: management principle of what gets measured gets improved. So we're trying to measure what are the issues that we want to deal with and then... It's somehow um, shifting our processes so that we can
2: better manage that. Yeah, it's just stimulating the brain. Yeah. Just getting the brain to do stuff. And that helps repair it, fix it, reorganise it, and even growth, this neuroplasticity.
3: That's a
1: nice way to finish up because we've run out of time. I hate that. wish we had a lot more talking about the brain. But, of course, uh, I know that Joseph will come back. He's come back a second time, so I would love to have him back for a third time. We could just keep discussing. Because I want to talk about imposter syndrome next time. Next time. If you want to know about that, you can Google it in the meantime. But it's an interesting uh, syndrome, particularly for entrepreneurs. so many
0: people have it. Have
1: it, it. that's right, exactly. Uh, But we're going to reveal a bit more about that next time. I'd like to thank a very special guest today, Professor Joseph Chachari, from Swinburne Thanks. University. Thanks, Jack. This is love, great. Love having. Th- thank you thank for, you allow, for Thank you for allowing us to learn from you. Oh, thank you, Warwick. Mary, always a Mary, oh, always Mary, always, always delightful. A pleasure
0: here on taking care of business. My, my
1: brainiac sidekick. Oh, oh, and here. yeah, and also uh, our special guest today, Tanya De Jong. Uh, She's created Dimension 5. We'll put a link to our Facebook page. If you're interested in finding out more, uh, you can always join us, the discussion on Facebook. And uh, we look forward to your company next Friday at 11am. In the meantime, keep being brainy and taking care of your business.
0: Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at GetMoreSuccess.com. Com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can get more success.